Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Well, just when you thought this PGA Championship was a snoozer, hand up, that was me, a stout leaderboard is shaping up at Oak Hill. Your co-leaders at the halfway point, Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors, Victor Hovland, Bryson DeChambeau does have a chance to join them as he's playing the 36th hole right now. Among the names, Rex, very much in the mix at the halfway point, Brooks Kepka, Roy McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Kyle Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay. A reminder for the folks at home that Justin Thomas was seven shots back on the final day last year at Southern Hills. Uh, we do have some wind and rain expected in the Rochester area on Saturday. So this thing just got a whole lot more compelling. Rex, what's on the top of your mind after day two? Uh, well, I love this watch along because we're going to watch Brooks Kepka. I'm, I'm sorry, Bryson DeChambeau play the last hole to possibly get into the lead. So he's at four under right now. Those three that you just went through, Victor Hovland, Corey Connors, and Scotty Scheffler, are all tied for the lead at five under. So we'll walk you through this. But before we get to that, and I want to make this quick because I know this is a, a just a mini pod and we need to move things along quickly. But reading some of the, but reading some of the uh, responses last night to the pod, I need to clear the air on something. It seems to me that folks out there seem to think you and I don't like each other and that probably has a lot to do with I don't have a face filter but I will say this that when I am at home and you and I are not together every time my phone beeps with either text messages or a snappy chat or whatever it is you're sending my way my wife's immediate all her go-to response is what nonsense did Lav send you right now so for all those folks that think we're not friends we're we're, we are friends begrudging as it might be but we we definitely are friends uh, it certainly seems like I need to reevaluate my friendship with Bunkmate, uh, but that's uh, some information for another podcast. AA Gomez 412, we see you. Uh, Rex and I are, in fact, friends. You didn't answer the question, what's top of mind on day two for you at Oak Hill? To me, this is kind of what we expected, right, from Scotty Scheffler. Like I, I think I said yesterday on the podcast, like I, I think he's going to drop anchor and just stay at the top of the leaderboard for the rest of the week. He's now at 500 par. Like, the winning score is probably going to be in that four to seven under par range. Uh, and we're certainly talking about the other contenders. To me, the, the, the big story, Rex, on Friday was, was Brooks Kepka. Five back nine birdies, round of the day with 66. Uh, King Kepka was really disappointed with how he hit it on Thursday. I actually thought he did well to shoot two over par. No one struck it better on Friday. This is basically a U.S. Open that is being dressed up as a PGA championship and Brooks understands discipline and golf course strategy. I think as anyone who is currently playing in this PGA championship, it's no surprise to now see him just three shots off the lead. I think he's going to be obviously a significant factor uh, as we get towards closer and closer to Sunday afternoon. No, I think you're 100% correct. That's why I, I wanted to track down Claude Harmon, his swing coach, wanted to listen to what he had to say. I, I find it fascinating because we both read the transcript. I wasn't there for his interview yesterday, but we both read the same line in the transcript where yesterday, Thursday, the opening round, he struggled. But his line was, I'm not worried about it. It's not going to happen tomorrow. And look, when it comes to Brooks, you could take that line a lot of different ways. It depends on what you're drinking. What you got there, pal? Nothing. Sippy, sippy, nothing. Uh, you can read that line a lot of different ways. And it had more to do with just the level of confidence that he knew exactly what he was doing wrong. He said they went straight to the range afterward. He turned to Claude before Claude said anything. He goes, I know what I'm doing. I, my hands got too far behind, you know, the, the handle of the club. He goes, I, I'm fine. And Claude didn't say a word. He let him work his way through it. it. To your point, 
that's the old Brooks. That's the old guy, right? This is the guy that was winning majors at an alarming rate and looked like he was going to sort of break the game over his, it was burly knee. And now that confidence <laughs> is back. Confidence is back. And, and I immediately went to the idea with Claude that, sorry, I've got a neighbor that's being a little loud over here. I, I immediately went to the idea with Claude that what did he learn from the Masters that he didn't know beforehand? And it was interesting to me that Claude conceded, and Brooks has talked about this, that even though he has this uber high level of confidence, he is still going into the Masters. He was still questioning himself. He was still questioning I mean, whether he's if he still, was. He's, he's two that. years removed, essentially, from putting himself in that cauldron. And, and he, am I the same guy? Can I still do this in the majors? Do I still send, you know, sort of shockwaves through the field when they see me on the leaderboard? There were so many questions. He was healthy. He was able to work on the game. He was able to do the things he wanted to. But I think Augusta answered so many of those internal questions for him. I mean, I don't think either one of us, and certainly he's not surprised he did what he did today. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see if he incorporates some of the lessons learned from Augusta National. It was a little bit coy. He wanted to keep those close to the vest of what he actually drew from the way that he played over those last, what, 26 holes or whatever it was Sunday at Augusta National. I'm curious to see exactly how he'll come out this weekend, and if he kind of reestablishes uh, the fact that he is very much an alpha in the men's game. Wanted to touch on Corey Connors quickly. You actually had a great tweet. I got to give you credit. You've had a lot of terrible tweets over the past decade, been ratioed number of times, and yet you made a very apt comparison between Corey Connors and Jason Duffner. Of course, the last winner here at Oak Hill in the PGA Championship in 2013. Expound on those similarities. What are the comparisons, and do you think this is sustainable? Uh, yeah, I do think it's sustainable, simply because if you look at the way these two players match up statistically, and I would encourage everyone to go check out the tweet at, at Rex Harbor GC. I thank you for the shout-out on that one, although you did not retweet it, so uh, it seems like an empty uh, compliment there. But if you look at both players statistically, all right, I'm going to start with Scotty Scheffler. This is what he is. Strokes gain off the tee, 20th on tour this year. Strokes gain approach, approach 15th. Around the green, 138. This is Corey Connors, by the way, not Scotty Scheffler. Corey Connors. I'm sorry, it's Corey Connors. Uh, strokes gain putting, 134th. Strokes gain tee to green, 17th. So that is Corey Connors. Now, in other words, that, in other words, very solid ball striker, <laughs> below average on, on and around the greens, yeah. Yes, I mean, it's relative to the rest of the field. These are PGA Tour players. Now, go back to 2013, the week going into the PGA Championship. This is Jason Duffner. Strokes gain off the team, 15th. Strokes gain approach, 21st. Around the green, 126th. Putting, 163rd. Tee to green, 16th. They are almost identical. They are the same player coming into this. Now, even to a certain degree, personality-wise, I see similarities between the two. I'm not sitting here saying that Corey Connors is going to win, but it's clear that Oak Hill has a type. It does have a type. That, I think that was just such a sharpshooting clinic from Jason Duffner that weekend. It wasn't particularly close. Like Jim Furyk was his nearest competitor. I, Corey Connors is 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 not distinguishing himself in the same way that Justin, excuse me, that Jason Duffner did that week. Basically, right now, Corey Connors is filling it up from everywhere. He's top ten in the field in strokes gained putting, as you just outlined. That's pretty atypical from what his norm is. Can he continue? Uh, to to hang around the lead uh, over the remaining two rounds certainly. Do I think he's going to win this golf tournament? No. The player who I'm who I'm I think Brooks is most intriguing to me among the pursuers, but Victor Hovland 
Rex. I mean, this is a player who has now 10 consecutive rounds. He has been inside the top 10 on the leaderboard at a major championship. He's been the best iron player in the field through 36 holes, closest in proximity to the field. The question that needs to be answered is can he do it on the weekend? Just last month at the Masters, in the second to last group, 74 in the final round. You go back to the Open Championship, 30, uh, excuse me, 54-hole co-lead with Roy McIlroy, shot 74 on what was a very benign day for scoring at the old course. He said he's crunched some numbers with Eduardo Molinari, brother of Francesco Molinari, and said that he essentially gets too aggressive with his short arms. I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue here at Oak Hill where basically you're trying to aim for the middle of the greens. You're trying to stack up as many pars as possible. And it will be interesting to see if he heeds his own advice and the advice of the assistant captain of the European Ryder Cup team. Do you have any thoughts on Victor and whether you think he's a legitimate threat to Scotty's throne over the remaining 36 holes? Oh, I think so. For the reasons we just pointed out for Corey Connors and Jason Dufter. I mean, when he he's hitting the ball well, he's another ball striking machine. He's a robot out there in the fairway. I don't think how much, I don't know how much I trust him when he's when he's when he misses some of these greens because it's going to take a level of imagination and touch that I still don't know that he has. I, I don't have See, that level of trust in Victor Hovland. I, I and I think many people who watch Victor Hovland, there's like a there's like a caveat, right? Like, well, but. You know, you've seen him around the greens. I actually think this is easier where you have this thick, dense rough around the greens as opposed to like the really grainy Bermuda or super tight lies that you're going to need to nip. Like that's a certain skill set that Victor Hovland, bless his heart, has not been able to incorporate in his game. When you get around the greens here, though, you're just kind of opening the 60, chopping down, blasting out, treating it as a bunker shot if you're if you're really uh, kind of in a pinch. So I th- actually think that's easier for him to scramble and plays better to his skill set uh, than in kind of those tight nippers that he would have to play. Bryson DeSambo, by the way, we started this podcast wondering if he could get uh, into the halfway lead. Uh, in fact, he goes the opposite direction from the middle of the fairway, uh, hits it in the bunker, makes bogey. He will enter the third round uh, in a tie for fourth place, two shots off the lead, just buttoning up that point anything else you want to get to with Vic no and and you're right I I think to a certain degree the length of the rough here kind of dumbs down the short game I guess would be the way I would say it it kind of brings everyone closer to the medium you're gonna you're gonna say that I'm you're gonna say that on air today dumbs down if you didn't Uh, say pissy on the air yesterday I didn't uh and I should have I felt bad you you texted me first thing last night five bucks um I I ran into the night scared because uh I asked Todd Lewis who is our tv friend and our tv professional and he gave me kind of a twisted yuck face and I immediately just ran into the night scared of my own tail I couldn't do it I I just said very very angry I had to throw the two varies in there and that that's going to have to suffice for pissy I wouldn't have even thought twice about saying pissy on the air I'm not even sure I would have put it in quotes uh, I even it. asked him, and I go, is it okay if I, I put it in quotes, like attribute it to Randy Smith, who told me that Scotty Scheffler was pissy at the Masters, and he said, no, I, I wouldn't do that either. So I, I did. I ran. I was scared. I'm a coward. Sorry. God, you hate to see it. I'm actually surprised you didn't begin this podcast rec- with a defense of one Rory McIlroy. Finally, Rory shows the grit 
and the grind that we've been begging him to show over the past couple of years so many times in these conditions. And it was it was downright nasty there uh, for about an hour, an hour and a half. He's kind of given away shots or he stepped back or just hasn't kind of asserted himself in a way that he did in a younger life. But today he made three birdies in his last 10 holes, including a beautiful one uh, on the on the tough finishing hole here at Oak Hill to shoot 69 Sits five shots back. He said, coming off the green, he looked, glanced at the electric leader, electronic leaderboard. He said, wow, I can't believe I'm only five shots back given how he is hitting it. Do you believe, Rex? We kind of dogged him on the podcast on Thursday. Wasn't feeling his best. Kind of dismissed his chances. Do you believe in miracles over the past, over the, over the weekend? Can he erase that five-shot deficit? I, you know, it's funny. I just saw him in the locker room and the Rory that we have seen really since the Masters. You where got, he talked you got about, locker room access? Uh, I did go in the locker room. I kind of was in and out of the locker room all day today. So I don't know if it was a lazy security guard or maybe we, we had that wrong. We're, we're probably not supposed to be in the locker room, folks. But uh, I did. I darted in and then darted right back out. But he was in the locker room and not the same guy that we've talked to really the last few weeks since the Masters. He was a little bit more upbeat. He was engaging. It was more. Snapping towels in there. Was he Rex? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Telling dirty jokes. It's, it's, it's JT, what we get do in. with whatever it is that that clicked from last night to tonight. It, it it certainly helped his game. It certainly helped his attitude. I'm still not willing to go out on the edge, even just five strokes back. I need to see one more round before I'm willing to say that. Yeah, Rory's back. He's going to contend. He's going to win this thing because, as we pointed out last night, and even though you said that it kind of got muddled a little bit, I still think Scotty Scheffler is going to go into that prevent defense mode and just shoot two more 68s. And let whoever's going to come get him, get him. And I don't know if anybody's up to the task right now. Oof. I mean, if Scotty Shuffler shoots back-to-back 68, gets a nine on a bar, yeah, I think he's, I think he's probably going to win by, by five shots. I don't even think he needs to necessarily do that. Uh, I think the conditions, they're, they're really going to buckle down uh, here, uh, the PJ of America setup crew, uh, to, to push these players to the breaking point. When it comes to Rory, I'm, I'm not yet – a believer. You look at what he's doing off the tee. Rex, he's 109th in strokes gained off the tee. There's 156 players in the field. There's 20 club professionals. Like he's he's one of the worst players with a driver in his hand this week. He's hit just five of 28 fairways. Yes, there's been a lot of comparisons, right? From wing from Wingfoot 2020 US Open, Bryson won by six shots to what you face here at Oak Hill. You look at the length and rough, you look at kind of the run-up areas. Like I get all of that. It's not actually bearing itself out in the statistics over the first 36 goals. This is very much an iron contest. And if Roy McIlroy is not finding the fairways, uh, quite simply, uh, he's not going to be able to attack the greens like the other players are and cut into this deficit. He made a boatload of putts today, 114 feet worth of putts. That's not sustainable. He, he He needs to figure out a fix with the driver. And this goes to, and you and I said it a whole bunch of different ways, but I had a stats friend of mine sort of send his profile over of the golf course this week, and he kind of broke it down better than we had in the past. He said there is a, an iron bias, an approach shot bias that lingers Jason on Jason Duffner course. won this golf tournament, one of the best iron players of his generation. But it goes beyond that. It goes well beyond that. It's, it's an approach shot bias from 150 to 175 yards. You have to be in a certain area. You don't not only have to hit your irons well, but you have to hit them in this, this specific area because that's where most people are going to find themselves. I, I thought it was fascinating. And you also – there's an approach shot distance element in there too. Like these greens, they're, they're kind of nuanced and, you know, they're a little on the big side to be in a classic golf course. A green in regulation doesn't count as much here 
maybe as it would some other place. So I think it's very much an iron contest, and we're going to continue to see that over the weekend. I like where Rory is. It's impossible not to look at what he did today versus what he has done since the Masters and not get a little excited, but I still need to see a little bit more. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. What's your thought, Rex, on, on, on how we got some energy injected in this major leaderboard? Here's a slack I sent to our boss, Mercer Bags <laughs> at 524 p.m. Eastern time. Quote, I don't say this lightly. This is the worst leaderboard I've ever seen. I don't feel that way at all right now. Like literally two hours later, look at Scotty Chef, the world number two. He has a chance to get back to world number one, uh, part of the 36-hole co-lead. Victor Hovland, obviously an intriguing young player who's been putting himself in the mix more and more. Bryson's up there. Brooks is up there. Rory's up there. DJ fell back a little bit, but he's still within shouting to the Scott Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay. What happened and what are you expecting to transpire over the weekend? What I expect is a little bit more of the same, because I would argue, and I'm glad you did that with the slack that you had with Mercer Bags, our boss, because I was going to point out that at a certain point this afternoon, you were the loudest person in the media center, just bemoaning about it. You have mentioned this a few times. I'm going home on Sunday. My son's high school graduation is Monday. And I think your line was, you picked a good one not to be here on Saturday, uh, on Sunday. You picked a good one not to be around. Just take, just take, a, just take AP wires. Yeah, yeah like, uh, I'll blog and then they can, they can pick up who's ever going to win. And we may end up with a dud. I just think the way these things play out. This particular golf course, though, and the way the, this circle of players is performing right now, I would argue that I would expect to see the Scotty Scheffler and the Bryson DeChambeau and the Brooks and maybe even Rory in the mix. I mean, that's pretty good by comparison to what we had even three hours ago, maybe. So I'm going to take this and run happily into the night. Yeah, like I think it could be a dub. Like I still fully expect Scotty Shuffler to win this golf tournament, and I think he will do so by multiple shots. I think there's just there's a level of intrigue that didn't exist a couple of hours ago. The, the rain, the spitting rain that came in with that, it obviously it softened up the greens, a little bit. It slowed down the fairways a little bit. It may have made uh, some of the lies a little bit trickier to judge in the rough, but it also knocked down the wind. I mean, we were getting to a point early afternoon where the wind was gusting, the greens were getting crispy, uh, the, the rough was incredibly unpredictable to hit out of. Like It was very difficult scoring conditions. That was not the case over the final two hours, and I think that allowed to these big-name players to make a little bit of a back-nine charge uh, and to position themselves better i'm very interested to see what's going to happen on saturday 25 mile an hour guts supposed to have some some wet weather as well and then sunday looks unbelievable i know you're not going to be here but it's gonna be 70 and sunny and i think we're set up for a very intriguing weekend i'll be here till noon my flight's not till noon so i'll go outside and take a little walk take a stroll enjoy myself a little bit yeah they just flashed the forecast for tomorrow i think the rain's supposed to come a little bit later in the afternoon but you're right it's the winds are going to make this so difficult. And if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken here, and again, we had a conversation with Kerry Haig earlier in the week about this, I think his plan was to top off the rough on Wednesday and not touch it again. And I can tell you right now, watching some of the shots coming out of the rough today, it's, it's not going to get any easier. So I, I think you're right. If nine under is going to win by multiple strokes, guys are looking now and thinking to themselves, seven under, it's probably not a bad score to aim for come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, this guy drops anchor, six, seven under par. <laughs> He's going to win this golf tournament. All right. That's going to wrap it up. 20 minutes on the dot. Once again, absolutely nice. nailing 
uh, these time limits for these mini pods, the Golf Central podcast with Rex and Lavi. Thank you guys for joining us wherever you're getting your podcasts or on YouTube. AA Gomez 417, I see you. I feel oh, you. Come I on. hope you have a different opinion after this podcast. Make sure you guys check out all of our stories on GolfChannel.com overnight. We'll be back with you on Saturday night for a recap of the third round of the PJ Championship at Oak Hill. I'm telling you, we're besties.